Hey again, friends. Thanks for starting up this bonus content for our Whiplash episode, where I interview my friend, the amazing jazz artist Juanma Trujillo, to get some deeper insight into the world portrayed in the film. Juanma is an impressive guy, having taken his music around his native Venezuela, as well as New York and Los Angeles, France, Austria, Slovenia, and Spain. He's also a consummate cinephile, pretty much always at the ready to share his knowledge and passion for film. And most importantly, he's also just a super warm, funny, considerate dude. So Dan and I very much look forward to inviting him onto a mainline episode as soon as we possibly can. You can find Wanma's music online in all the usual places, but I recommend going straight to the source by finding the link to his band camp in the description. In just a moment, let's check out the opening moments of his composition, Satin Dots, from his album El Vecino. And after the Whiplash conversation, please stick around to hear the song Calypso from that same album. Please go ahead and give concessions a rating and a follow if you think the podcast is as happening as Wanma does. And please enjoy he and I taking another pass at Damien Chazelle's Whiplash. I would love to hear your, you know, the the things about Whiplash that kind of come to mind okay, okay. the most for you about, uh, you know, that 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 you know seem important to to cover. Well, you know, like uh, as I told you on the chat, uh, I I checked it out yesterday, you know, yeah, uh, and I was just kind of like I remembered not liking the movie, uh, but it's it has been a while since I watched it, so I rewatched it and. And just kind of try to keep my inner, <laughs> my inner hater <laughs> at bay, and just like try to give it like an objective watch and stuff. So, so that it's not only just like my skewed vision of as a musician, you know. But so, I I there I think like there's a couple of things about it that I think uh, are are kind of on point, you know. You know, like I think the premise. Uh, I'm gonna tell you some of the things that I think are are correct about the movie. You know, like so I think that the premise that like a bad teacher, you know, uh, and a teacher that's kind of like uh, just mean spirited, you know, uh, can really screw up a student. You know, and that's actually nothing that's too uncommon. To, uncommon in just in musical education in general you know like uh, i know plenty of people who got discouraged by teachers who who kind of like were like not very encouraging and stuff and 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 of course i think that for dramatic purposes whiplash uh, it's really like kind of like over the top <laughs> but uh, but it is true that you know like sometimes this uh, this there there is certain behavior from teachers that it's borderline abuse you know and uh, then you you 
you, then that obviously discouraged students from from working on, on music and continuing to pursue, pursue a music career, you know. So that I think that's correct, you know. Uh, whether that that means that you know, like a, a teacher that hurls a chair at, at a student <laughs> continues to be employed by the university, that's another <laughs> that's another topic, right? Know? You know, but yeah, you know, uh, the other thing that I think is kind of on point is that both like in this is kind of changing as we speak, you know, but uh, in general, uh, in general, like I think it is true to say that uh, music schools and music programs and in in universities are kind of male dominated, you know. Uh, environments and they haven't been really uh, very welcoming environments for women you know like uh, and this is not something that the movie really touches upon yeah. as much as, as it shows it you know like, other other than the casual misogyny that you know hey look hey, there's oh, one wow your first chair let's let's see if it's just because you're cute exactly yeah that, that's yeah. the one thing that's like that's you know like and i think that kind of thing would probably get a teacher in trouble but maybe like in the early 2000s it, mo- it might have been something that kind of just passed by you know and in the last few years there were a couple of court controversies of in, in like berkeley school of music i don't know if you heard about this you know but yeah. like they were, they were, you know, like there were like things and like on Berkeley School of Music and other famous conservatories where like there were teachers who were engaged into relationships with students yeah. and and you know like they were using kind of the school system as a as a way to to kind of like groom young female students, you know. Yeah. So it, I mean, like the, again, this is not something that. It gets explicitly stated in the movie, but the movie does depict a very male-dominated environment, which is what a conservatory would was, you know, or or continues to be, even though it's changing, you know. So, right. Well, and and even if the movie doesn't go out of its way to depict or to criticize the male-dominated environment, which you you may. I mean, you may make the argument that it does simply by being so male dominant or, or, or maybe the movie itself, just maybe Damien Chazelle and the movie itself are, are yeah. guilty of the same thing. Maybe they're criticizing it. Maybe it's some of both, but I still think that there is um like a constant undercurrent of the abuse of power. And it does manifest itself in almost a sexual way. A couple times, like I think of, the body language of Fletcher putting his arm up against the wall and trapping young Andrew against it, even when he's being quote unquote friendly or, or nice before the, the big rushing or dragging scene, he's still like using his body to dominate this young person. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a physical and, aspect to the thing. Yeah. yeah. JK Simmons got absolutely jacked for this movie for a good <laughs> reason. Right. I know. Like a giant, giant old man arms you know um and i should say man like i I think he's he's amazing you know like i I love him in a lot of of the other stuff that he's done and in this movie even though the movie is not really my cup of tea like he's still like 
he's just savage. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like he like he really commits to the role and 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 make does an amazing job, you know. I think he's probably the most compelling part of the film, you know. Yeah. And I think uh, that's so clear and yeah, he's sure. so um and but I, I do want to I do want to get into uh, yeah. more of the just the mechanics of the filmmaking or at least the performances and everything. But I do yeah. want to ask you, even from it's interesting to me that mm -hmm. you have lived the you know, you've you've lived the education of a, a jazz musician and you've come out on the other side of it, continuing to pursue it. And mm -hmm. um, that perspective is really valuable. And to, but because of that, I think it's fascinating that you kind of talked through some of the some of the undercurrents of the movie around around abuse around yeah. kind of the chauvinistic side of it the sure. just the 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 aggression but you didn't really at all choose to talk about music itself uh, no, <laughs> and, no, well not yet and, not yet i mean like what what the well, way i'm i organize it in my head is that i'm i'm giving you some of the things that i think the movie has going for it I see. that I, that I yeah. think are accurate. You know, there's plenty of of stuff to get into in terms of just the music. You know, uh, but but I think that those are things that like those things like are whether Chazelle tried to to do it on purpose or not. I think probably not. <laughs> I think like those things are 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 accurate you know like they're male dominating environments it, it is a common thing that certain teachers uh, there's there's there is a trend of abusive teachers that think that like they can take the tough love thing way too far you know i personally didn't have much of that in my life but uh, right, I've, right, seen, right. I, I've seen it happen you know what do you think it huh? says to the audience that we've we've witnessed you know an hour and a half of just abuse abuse mm -hmm. both you know from fletcher to andrew but also andrew abusing himself mm -hmm. and for sure at the end it culminates in this big triumphant beautiful in sync like just connection between those two guys it, it appears at the end that he is successfully broken into the like the professional world of a jazz musician in like either because of or in spite of all of yeah. that abuse what do you think it conveys to to people that this movie ends triumphantly after all of that that is really it's really interesting because uh, i think you know when i saw it i thought the ending was more open-ended you know like than that to me you know like i read it as like well this is the f the the end of like a chapter in this guy's life you know right, right. and i th and i thought it would it could be like the continuation of that could go either way either he becomes a really successful musician or this is like the last time he ever performs and you know and, and everything you know but like for example i was watching with my wife who's a musician too and she absolutely read it as that it was a validation of the abuse right you know and then i talked to brita our friend you know <laughs> and brita she also saw it as that you know like she also said like that that the movie 
the whole thing of the movie it kind of is validating the 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 notion that the abuse is justified you know because he manages to get to a certain level you know and really well at least a certain level that the that the teacher gave just like whatever feels like he's he's playing up to his standards you know or the standards that he's at least he's trying to teach them you know well, yeah he's He's being a sweetie pie. He's fixing his crash symbol. He's yeah, instead, exactly. of, instead of throwing the crash symbol at his head, he's yeah, he's, exactly. he's delicately fixing it. Yeah, to me, I'm 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 more in line with with yeah, your wife and with Britta, where I do think yeah. I I think I think it's o almost explicit in the script where he said, "Hey, if you impress these folks out here, they can yeah. get you that that they can get you that job. Like they you, you know you'll be back at Carnegie Hall. Yeah. But if you mess it up." it's yeah, over and exactly. to me like that set up this moment of triumph and it, it's even yeah it's uh, a really bad message i think you know? I, yeah and uh, <laughs> yeah i could go into more about why i think it, it is explicit but i, I do want to hear more of your thoughts and uh, well you know like the, the thing that i thought about you know like uh, because i talked to this with brita i'm one with my wife you know it's like it made me think like You know, like maybe the message what is more explicitly obvious to them because in these programs of in these music programs, women are often more susceptible to that kind of abuse. You know, right? So uh, I know that my wife has had a, a few teachers that were pretty discouraging. Not they weren't like abusive per se, but they were like very discouraging. You know. And I and yesterday when I talked to Brita, Brita told me that she transferred to the school where we both met because she had an abusive teacher <laughs> in the other school that she was in, you know. So as far as yeah, it, I don't know. It's an interesting it's an interesting perspective because it, yeah, like it, it makes me think that like maybe as men we're not necessarily a we're either like numb to the idea that abuse is okay <laughs> you know yeah. or you know like we are kind of like you know like we're just kind of in tune with that with that thing which is even worse <laughs> right like we've romantic yeah. we've romanticized it in such a way that going through it makes us feel even better on the other side of it for sure for when sure. when to, to, a, to a woman that is an immediate consequence yeah, and an immediate sure. detriment to their lives their safety their careers their education yeah. everything yeah. yeah for sure yeah and so yeah that's the, now now that i see it that way i think it's a it's not a good message you know but you know like then i read something about the movie where he says that Chazelle, I think, says that like his whole, the whole idea that he has uh, as to what happens to uh, Andrew's character after the movie ends, you know, is pretty dark. He he actually he actually thinks that the abuse he actually was uh, ended up working as in great detriment to the quality of his life you know but i don't know like the movie doesn't necessarily 
you know, like the movie, the movie is pretty ambiguous in, yeah. in that regard. <laughs> well, I find that very interesting and, and unsurprising because yeah. in the screenplay, there is a whole subplot that was cut from the final film where Andrew is buying pills. Like he's buying speed from, okay. from one of his, you know, classmates in order to fuel his rigorous yeah. practice sessions, right. That go all, all night sometimes. Okay. And uh, an additional comparison to Charlie Parker, right? Like they added like the, the drugs to it as well. Like they had like the car crash that messed him up, just like it messed up Charlie Parker. They've got, you know, an abusive mentor throwing stuff at them. Like didn't actually happen to Charlie Parker, but that the movie posits happened to Charlie Parker. Um, and then there was also drugs in the mix. And I think it's fascinating that Chazelle chose to eliminate probably the largest clue that's in the screenplay that things will turn out poorly for Andrew in his near future and actually eliminate that <laughs> from the movie and make it more ambiguous on purpose. Yeah. The fact that he would go and say, well, no, I think this is going to mess up his life. And he's yeah, because gonna, yeah. to the general public, it reads like, you know, like this yeah. guy just r- rose up to the, to the occasion. And, and now he's a great, he's, he's somebody great because of that, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that, as I said, the thing that's problematic Because as I saw it ambiguously, and and for the two women that I that I surveyed, you know, like it it was pretty unambiguously a, a kind of like a validation of abuse, you know. Is it, yeah, it it it's just kind of interesting to me that like there there might be like a subsect of female demographic that might might think of this as as that, you know. And the, it's problematic that then that uh, the male demographic would will feel the opposite, you know, <laughs> yeah. or, or be completely oblivious to that to that fact, you know. Yeah, And, yeah. You know, I, I, I obviously we can judge Whiplash on the fact that there isn't female perspective in it. Yeah, even, if, sure. even if there is a sympathetic female character she is yeah. really in as far as the function of the the narrative itself she really she's really just another of andrew's personality mm-hmm. flaws mirrored yeah. back at, or you know uh given a victim yeah. uh and that's about as far as the movie goes with uh how yeah. it treats its female characters but you yeah, know sure. that is true of so many movies that you know like dwelling on that with whiplash in general yeah it's important to talk about but it's almost reductive to how deeply bad the movie is in other ways you know like that that now that you touch on that point uh the way uh, his personality like kind of ended up being the the thing that became an obstacle in him being able to have a successful relationship with the female character Uh, I think that actually that's something that the movie gets right, you know, like because music is a very intense craft, just like a, a lot a lot of other fields are. But but uh, musicians can really get kind of like uh, myopic about it, you know. Yeah, and they they can they can get self righteous about like the idea of a life in the arts, you know, and. 
to to be perfectly honest, a, a, a lot of musicians that I met, even people who I consider masters of music, you know, there are people who have really no other depth in their in their lives, you know. So like it, it, their capacity to kind of like function and just talk with a normal person or or not even normal person because that that implicates you know like <laughs> that has already implications just but the, like just the fact that you said that yeah. illustrates your point beautifully yeah, you yeah. myopic <laughs> bastard <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> exactly yeah no but like yeah just like just like if they had to talk with like some grandma you know somebody's grandma right that doesn't care about anything but like their grandsons or something like that or yeah. or like maybe you know like they they wouldn't have they they can't even hold any conversation you know I, i met so many people like that you know and so this guy is is kind of like that you know like he's just completely submerged in 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 this passion that he has you know but he doesn't he doesn't understand that it's working to the detriment of his the, to the rest of his life you know right or if he yeah. does he yeah. doesn't care or, he, or he's aware of it and yeah. he almost wears it as a badge of honor that he doesn't care about it and then he can exactly. remain yeah. focused yeah, yeah which, movie, which 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 makes him arrogant you know right the movie yeah. like visually demonstrates that in a really quick and beautiful way where he's on the bus he's really really into the buddy rich video he's watching yeah. and then he get notifications where it's a missed call from his dad it's a text message from nicole that are covering buddy rich like we as audience we see this buddy rich video he's like buddy rich himself is very in the zone with what he's doing on yeah, the yeah. night show or whatever later in his career and then all of a sudden it smashes to now it's covered by the the messages from his loved ones And uh, he just like doesn't give a shit. Yeah, for for him, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Which you know, like now that you mentioned Buddy Rich, I think <laughs> we talk that, about Buddy well, Rich. That's a that's a that's a good segue into the music aspects. You know, like so. I, I don't know if you knew this. Uh, I talked about this with Britta, but like, uh, I think some of this content is online on youtube you know body rich was was an abuser yeah 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 was yeah. pretty famous for being a, an abusive band leader so uh, i can tell you that i i studied with at least two teachers that that were in body rich's bands and one of one of them told me that one of them was well, his name is ed lucy okay so ed broke a string in the middle of a performance and somehow in the middle of the song where he wrote this string there was a break for the whole band because there's this very long drum solo in between before the band comes back in and uh, while the drums while he went while body rich was playing the the solo it just kind of quickly changed the string of his bass you know And then just managed to get it set up before Body uh, finishes drum solo, so that he could finish the tune, you know. And I think the audience caught caught that, you know, and they started cheering for him 
And I think Buddy realized realized that it was, and he just like the story of my teacher was that he just like tore him a new asshole, you know, like like right after, like just like just completely vicious, you know. <laughs> wow. So that was like that was one of the one thing, and then uh, my my other teacher that the work with Buddy Rich, Matt Harris, who's a pianist. Uh, and I guess the band had a new uniform and uh, he just like spilled something on the shirt that that he they were wearing. And it was like a white shirt or something like that, you know? So he, before the concert, the, before the next concert, uh, went to a store and bought another white shirt And Body Rich just kind of, just by looking at the color, knew that the, it was a different shirt. <laughs> wow. And he just like completely also like lost his shit, you know? <laughs> and then like apparently in the concert, you know, like he just like introduced him uh, to, uh, to the audience. And he's like, and on piano, Matt Harris, who's wearing his own fucking shirt. <laughs> Jeez. I, I love how I love how neither of those stories have anything to do with the quality of the playing. Like it's literally just one guy distracted during a drum solo, another guy's wearing a different fucking shirt. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's 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 well. So what what I know from people uh, because I also met other people that that work with him was that uh, musicians got into the habit of having some cash on them. Because they knew that, like, he could lose his shit at any moment and just, uh, and just like stop the bus and leave you in the middle of the road. Wow! You know? And you, you would just like have to like find your way home. So, so like, those, and you know, like the fact that every that that this happened at a in a historic period in which that that was fine, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of insane, you know. That is wild. Yeah, um, I I've also heard that while Buddy Rich was extraordinarily famous for those outbursts and that abuse and that pettiness, that he also, like many abusers, tempered it with just love bombing on the other side, like just being a total sweetie pie. Like uh, during other times, and there was almost no, there was almost no balance or or any sort yeah. of like te like kind of tempering and you see that as well in Fletcher where he just well, goes yeah, yeah exactly yeah so like I, that's what I was saying that like I think that I'm not sure I haven't read interviews about Chazelle talking about developing the character of Fletcher but like it seems like Fletcher seemed acts as a surrogate body rich yeah. or uh, in the movie you know yeah uh, Yeah, and, and it's uh yeah, it's one of those things where it's believable that if we know that Andrew idolizes Buddy Rich, that he would be privy to all of these stories and you know the biography and he would Yeah, um, he would just take it because because this he, is what this is what happens to great jazz musicians and this is what yeah. you know great jazz artists do. Yeah. Um, but also I think it's I think it's kind of funny in a way that it, it seems like from every all the information I've taken in from from other <laughs> musicians that like buddy rich is sort of like 
not not really put on a pedestal musically anymore like he's kind of like the jazz drummer that most people who aren't really into jazz would know because he was on yeah. the tonight show and his playing was really flashy and self-indulgent yeah. and stuff is that true or, or do people actually yeah i mean like so uh, as far as i know uh, yeah like he 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 was kind of like somebody who was able to ride the tail end of the big band era and run it like run run the big band as a kind of a successful business, you know. Uh, and I think is pretty when you see him playing, it's pretty obvious that he was a consummate musician, you know. But his concept and his ideas as to how to elevate the music, you know. Uh, we're all in the, you know, like in with the main purpose of like elevating himself, you know, like to to kind of show everybody how great he was, you know, which is kind of like a, it's kind of a, a big departure from, from, it's very, it's, I, I feel like those values are opposite as to how, jazz is in terms of a of a black american art you know right uh, community so like, and yeah, collaboration like, yeah so like the the idea in the the idea there's black musicians who are certainly like there's many of them like all in basically all the great ones are considered like great great virtuosos who played insane things that that are almost like impossible, you know, or push the boundaries of what the instruments can do. But the concept behind it is more of like somebody being in like a spiritual moment, you know, that's trying to elevate the music, you know, and it's not really a thing to to just like show off, you know. Right. It's just it's just like something that like you know like you are being guided by the spirit, you know. Right. Uh, and and that that dimension is for me when I see he body Rich's performances, you know, like for me that dimension is just entirely absent, you know. Right. Uh, but you know, like the thing is, uh, he was somebody kind of like a child prodigy, you know. Well, yeah, he was just a so, baby so, on vaudeville. Yeah, so like he, so like he was playing at a high level from early on, you know, and I'm pretty sure that he he managed to play a few times with Charlie Parker, even, you know, and there's a really great record, actually one of my favorite records. Uh, there's a there's an early trio record uh, for uh, Lester Young, the great Lester Young. Uh, in which they play trio is Lester Young, Body Rich, and Nat King Cole on piano. And uh, Nat King Cole, uh, you know, like we all know him for being like this very famous crooner, you know. Right. But he was a beautiful, beautiful piano player. So uh, I, I can send you a link to that. Uh, but that that record is beautiful. Uh, but I think. Because around the time that he played with Lester, Lester was already kind of like considered one of the elders and one of the great right. elders, you know. He wouldn't have do any of those antics in front of him, you know, because right. he was considered one of the great, great, great musicians, you know. Uh, so like all the all the bullshit started later. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. 
that, yeah. yeah, once he was in charge, once he wielded the power, once he was the elder statesman. Yeah, for sure. Wow. For I sure. mean, that that's another great example of kind of strengthening the themes of the movie and around mm-hmm. how sort of the, the, the power dynamic is separate from the music. For sure. Um, there, so I, when, when you're describing Buddy Rich's antics, and it, it, it's also clear at the end of the movie that Andrew is of that same mind, mindset where he thinks he's better than everyone else. And he literally takes this indulgent, gigantic solo. And we yeah. as the audience have to actually sit through the excruciating thing. Yeah. Do you, do you think that Damien Chazelle thinks that that solo is excruciating? Or do you think he's also luxuriating in it himself in the filmmaking? I think he's earnest in showing what he, what he, the things that he thinks are great, you know, because I see it in his other films, like that are not even about music, you know, like Babylon. I know you haven't seen it, but like I have seen Babylon. Yeah. Oh, Oh, you saw saw it. I did it. We did an entire pod episode on it that's coming out next week. I'll send it to you early if you'd like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't like that either. I liked it more than Whiplash. It was not my favorite, but I wouldn't go to so far to well, say that yeah. I didn't like it. I thought it was fine, but yeah, yeah, yeah. but no, I'm sorry to cut you off. Like what 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 is it in Babylon that informs the filming of that drum solo at the end of Whiplash? Well, to me like he just seems to me that's uh, for what I can see, uh, Chassel seems to be somebody who wears the his influences on his sleeve, you know? <laughs> and he's proud yeah. he's proud to show you that he he loves, loves singing the, in the rain <laughs> he loves these things you know like and and yeah. the problem well not the problem the the, the thing is like I, I think that like everything that's in whiplash i think he earnestly thinks that is good you know uh, and that's what good music is for him and that is what good drumming is for him you know but uh, there's actually not m- not much that we can do about it. I mean, like, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's valid because not only because he thinks it's valid is because every it's just as if, you know, like you don't like a Lady Gaga song, but the rest of the world does, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's not it's it's the same scenario, you know, Uh so yeah, I think everything he's showing in the movie feels like he he really thinks is great music and it's music that moves him. Obviously, I don't think he would have put music that that he didn't think it was great. You know, the problem is that being more of a specialist myself, you know, I feel like his vision of what good music, good playing and good jazz is is very is very bizarre you know i will say that you know (laughs) my favorite example of that is when we see fletcher playing the piano in a small ensemble yeah and he's playing the most milk toast like starbucks jazz that you've ever heard in your life and then he sits down with andrew and has been like i hate all that starbucks jazz jazz is dying like exactly. and uh, he, exactly. just, he just got off stage exactly, yeah. playing like the most bullshit, like smooth jazz adult contemporary music I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, you think that Chazelle is like actually well, poking fun at the character, and that Fletcher actually is that clueless, or is is that just you know us as a, a learned audience seeing seeing those uh, 
Yeah, that's... I think I think it's the latter. I think that he just he just doing he's just kind of doing what he thinks is good and and I might be wrong, but it, it seems like an earnest effort of, for of him showing what he thinks is good, you know, and and that commentary, you know, like might be because you know like what starbucks jazz is is really like totally on the smooth electric side you know so like the music that fletcher is playing in the bar is still even though it's super lame you know it's still kind of acoustic you know right, like right. or something like so like yeah. I think so. Like I feel like in his simple, in the simple mind, minded idea that he has about what this music is, uh, maybe just the fact that it was like an acoustic band, right, it made it not smooth. But it is totally smooth, you know. And right. So yeah, I mean, like that. That that is a good segue for me to talk uh, about the music, you know, like. I think that's actually the main flaw of the movie, you know, like it's a movie that because I was I, I did a thought exercise and I I encourage you to do the same. If the music on Whiplash was absolutely fucking killer, would that make the movie like a way better movie? Um no, because I don't think it's a movie about music, personally. Well, yeah, exactly. It, it is not. But for me, you know, because it's the main conceit of the of the of the of the plot, you know, I would watch and I would think, well, this is ridiculous, but this guy can play. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> you know, like or or something, you know. Uh, so yeah, that that's really it's a, it's really strange because uh, to me that's. The move, the the music in the movie is just embarrassingly bad, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. Just well, particularly the scene, particularly the scene with Fletcher, like we, that we were just discussing, because yeah. if, he, if if the first time that Andrew actually sees Fletcher as a musician and not just a bully teacher, and he's just crushing it, like how how would that impact Andrew's state of mind and his ability exactly. to trust Fletcher? methods and that sort of thing but yeah no but just the fact that like fletcher gets up there and it's it's just the shittiest thing is, yeah. is interesting and it's a flaw that la la land has too you know which is that right. like the the, the main character the, the the main character in la la land is supposedly this this artist that doesn't give any concessions <laughs> Right, <laughs> you know, right, right. you know, like he's just like completely uncompromising artists and stuff, but he, but he can't play, you know. Right. So, uh, you know, like the music, I will say this: the music in in Whiplash is abysmal. The big band music uh, is is just awful. It's not even a good. Uh, I mean, like anything by Body Rich, you know, like would have been a better a better sampling of of of, of what a better example of what jazz so you know. so so you're saying even the even the like well-known pieces like whiplash and caravan that even that is is not well interpreted well, the, in the movie well yeah the thing is like you know like if you you need if caravan is was made famous by by 
Duke Ellington in his orchestra and the arrangements and the way they played it, you know, it's, it's way more happening, you know, and uh, this is just kind of like a very kind of modern, modern arrangement of Caravan that is just really, really bad, you know, like it's not, it's not a good representation of what like, it's not even a good representation of of what college big bands would, would be playing, <laughs> you know? So yeah. I will tell you, I will tell you like uh, when I was in college, You know, like when we were playing classic big big band stuff, we were we were playing stuff from uh, Thad Jones and Mel Lewis. You know, we were playing stuff from Count Basie. We were playing stuff from Duke Ellington. You know, and that music is all extremely happening. You know, and it's a uh, yeah, and it's very buoyant. You know, it's very complex in a way that's not evident. You know, so like the music can be be enjoyed on a surface level. Right. Like you can dance and, to it, but you could also just sit and listen to it. Yeah, you can dance to it and stuff, but then if you want to zoom in and to and check what's happening, it's just like very profound, you know. <laughs> and then you know, when we were playing more modern stuff, uh, I can tell you we were playing things like Maria Schneider arrangements and stuff. And then, of course, there's always like a few things that the band director chooses that are kind of lame, you know? <laughs> uh, that's that's true for every for every college in America, <laughs> right. I think. But 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 like even even the bad things that we would end up playing are like on a higher level right. than the music on Whiplash, you know? Okay, I see. So so, so yeah it's we're it's we're, just, we're, we're meant to believe that that um Schaefer Conservatory is this fic fictional world's Juilliard or Berkeley School of Music. But yeah. they're the the studio well, the studio band Yeah, especially Juilliard would have not been so like they're they're Schaefer, I think is pretty clearly Juilliard, you yeah. know, in the movie. And especially because of the direct relationship with Lincoln Center. I see, yep, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, Winton, and I think they actually shot some of it actually yeah. at Juilliard, yeah. Yeah, and Winton gets mentioned a couple of times in the movie because, like, one of the students, the one that ended up killing himself and stuff, like, mm -hmm. and so was in uh, in Winton's band, you right. know, yep. and all this stuff. And Winton is kind of like also a, a controversial figure in the world, but like one thing he is, you know, like that you could never take away from him is that he's kind of like a a warrior for for big swinging music, you know? Gotcha. And especially if you see the Lincoln Center Orchestra, they can play, they can really swing, you know? Uh, they can, uh, they, that's their specialty, you know? So, like, the, the music of Whiplash is not even in the same ballpark or not not right. and obviously it's obviously not in the same ballpark in terms of like quality of performance but it's not even in the same ballpark stylistically right as to what the the Lincoln Center orchestra does you know right so we're, meant, very, to, we're 
we're meant to believe that this is the most elite band in Juilliard's jazz program, but yeah. what they're playing orchestrations that like Damien Chazelle's high school jazz band teacher would have selected. Yeah, I think well, well, I was talking about it with Brita and Brita told me that he probably he has like a couple of composers that work with him, maybe friends of his or stuff. Justin, Justin Hurwitz does not have a background in jazz. He started yeah. composing quote unquote jazz music when Damien Chazelle turned him onto it in the movie they made right before Whiplash. Yeah, so that's, you know, like that's all you need to know, you know? So this person doesn't even have like a functioning uh, knowledge. And for example, so essentially the the thing that's controversial about Winton and the Lincoln Center as as a jazz at Lincoln Center uh, as an institution is that they are so traditionalist, you know, yep. in their values as to what jazz music should be. That they are they are not even entertaining the idea of the music moving forward, you know, and, and changing, you know. So that's 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 the big kind of like a rift that's happening with them, you know. So the music on Whiplash is not even close to to that, you know. And the, I mean, like I think Winton would be very critical of the music on Whiplash, you know. Right. Uh, and then. Uh, yeah, the other thing that I, that I was thinking about yesterday is that, for example, uh, there's an amazing jazz trumpeter. His name is Terence Blanchard, and Terence has a very has a very high profile in the jazz community. But also, he's also done a lot a, a lot of film scores, specifically a lot of them for for Spike Lee. Oh yeah, I see Twenty Fifth Hour. I see Black Klansman. Yeah, so like he he has he has a really and his his scores are pretty happening, you know, uh, and you know like I think I, that's what made me think like I wonder if we plash like if he would have hired somebody like Terrence, you know, to do the music. Terrence being somebody who's connected to the jazz to the serious jazz community. And, wow. And, well, and and other than yeah. even just Spike Lee, like he's constantly scoring movies by black artists about black people, about yeah. black subjects. Exactly. Which yeah. is uh, quite the transition into me wanting to talk about the racial politics of Whiplash because holy yeah. well, shit. That, well, that's really <laughs> problematic too. Yeah. So here, okay. So so there's a couple of things that are that really bother me, but let me hear your thoughts. Okay, the the first thing is that I think it is grotesque to suggest parody between the musical upbringings of Charlie Parker mm -hmm. and the fictional character Andrew Neiman in this movie. Like the difference between a guy who yeah. was born into the 1920s South as a black man, died before integration even happened had all of these obstacles in his life, like the car crash and the way that um, to, to treat his symptoms from that car crash that were available to him, like, you know, just going into these like sunset towns or around them to play jazz, just comparing that to like this kid who has, apparently it comes from a social class where he can, choose to transfer from Juilliard to Columbia the first time he encounters a bully and suggesting that there's any sort of parody between their musical upbringings, I think is just racist as hell. Okay. So 
this is a gigantic problem, you know, uh, just not only in the music community, but in America as a, as a whole, you know, and, you know, like in films, you know, like uh, that culturally we are always diminishing the achievements of the great black musicians, you know, and there's a very problematic lineage of white people uh, appropriating cultural like and musical uh, expressions from black people and becoming way more successful you know and it's not it's not only in jazz you know it's, it's in popular music you know like elvis is a really problematic figure in that regard um it's is in everything you know like right now <laughs> and and i'm sorry i'm going on a tangent because this is I'm very passionate about this, but uh, like right now, like the, there's a guy called name. His name is Corey Wong, and he's he is called he is considered like some kind of like savior of funk music, you know. And uh, you know, like, and the thing is, like, the great architects of funk, you know, were these great black musicians who died with no money you know because they were sampled to death you know yep and 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 you know like they they grew one of the one of the famous drummers from james brown his name was clyde stoverfield like he's the most sampled drummer in history you know like and he died broke you know so th that that's really messed up you know like so uh I think uh, the way Charlie Parker gets portrayed in Whiplash, you know, and 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 the way great black musicians get portrayed in a lot of the or in a lot of films, you know, is deeply problematic because number one, the glamorization of their drug problems, that is problematic because as you know, in those times everybody was doing drugs <laughs> you know yeah it's not sort of, so, and even if you don't know anything else about jazz <laughs> yeah. you know that yeah exactly you know like it's not like they are they made they're doing drugs because they were black musicians you know they 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 are they were doing drugs because you know like these people come from really difficult socioeconomic backgrounds you know yep. and because america has failed <laughs> is the black people, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and you know, like, it's, it's, it's super problematic. So, like, when I feel, I feel like uh, movies and and just commentary around the, the work of these great artists, you know, uh, it always overemphasizes that, that part, you know? And, you know, like, it's almost as take away some of the credit from their mm -hmm. actual achievements you know like so you know like they're like often i i even saw seen people that like oh charlie parker was able to create this music that was so far out because he was always on drugs you know no and like these kinds of things you know like and it's like no it's extremely sad that he had a drug uh, like a just like completely diminishing drug problem you know right uh, 
but uh, just like many other great black musicians, uh, these were people who were absolutely brilliant, you know, and created music that just broke all the conventions shifted the goalposts on what was even possible like yeah, you listen even absolutely. like even you listening know? to the way charlie parker's like just some yeah. of the like just the little lines like like yeah. in some of his solos it, it still seems like it should be impossible yeah so like yeah the reason and let me tell you like you know as you know um i was born in venezuela so let me tell you from my perspective you know like the the, the reason why i find a problem with this you know uh, and this is deeply personal for me because you know like for me that music is what inspired me to change my entire life you know i didn't have to go to the u.s at all <laughs> you know so you know like that's how heavy that music is right <laughs> you know like and i'm not the first person who has done i'm part of a whole tradition of people who heard that music and just had to go to the u.s to figure out what that shit is because yeah it's so heavy you know yeah so the movie doesn't even doesn't even get close to implicate to to kind of like get people so for um this is the problem this is this is the problem <laughs> I, I the problem is that the general public is going to this movie you know and is this movie for them is becoming some kind of example as to what jazz is and and in the, what with even naming charlie parker in the movie you know people are getting like just these two pieces of information that he was very good that he could play great solos you know and that he was a drug addict that's deeply problematic because well you know <laughs> sorry you know i i, I know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But no it take, well, take well, your time and, and no, I, I mean, I, like that's the it's deeply problematic because uh, you're like for a younger generation that doesn't have any clue or who Charlie Parker is, or what the people around Par Charlie Parker, who the people around Charlie Parker circle are, and all the music that spawned because of that, and all of the people that they have inspired to pursue a life in music, you know, uh, you know, like the movie, the, the the movie ends up giving just giving a giving you the idea that he was just like this problematic guy that that died because he that was talented you know and and died because he had a drug problem you know but he wasn't talent he wasn't just talented you know no he was he was extraordinarily driven and well and and he was he's one of the genius of the 20th century you know well so and, like, <laughs> and un, unlike the yeah. like the character of andrew in the movie he also had a very rich personal life and a, like like you know loving relationships and you know yeah. close with his children and, and musical community yeah. and his musical community both the folks like the folks that he got along with and didn't he still collaborated with very well and yeah it is yeah god damn i'm getting a little emotional <laughs> like yeah yeah, yeah. that's very problematic but the, well that being said you know like the movie doesn't have to be any of those things you know it's yeah like like the movie isn't required 
<laughs> to write the write the ship on that. But also, I do I do find it pretty repellent that that problem is still being piled onto by by a voice like Chazelle's. Where granted, at the time, you know, he wasn't he wasn't a powerful person in Hollywood by, you know, the standards of what he is today, but he, uh, yeah, he did either accidentally or not contributed kind of a lot to that misunderstanding. There's another lineage, which is the lineage of playing down the influence and the, and the brilliance of the work of these musicians, you know? Yeah. And um, he's just part of that, you know. Yeah, and you know, um, actually, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I think I'm gonna need to watch it before uh, I record any more content for the podcast on Whiplash. I'm really interested to see the biopic that Clint Eastwood and Forrest Whitaker made together in the late '80s about Charlie Parker. I wonder how much it plays into the problems that you're describing, or how much it actually plays think, against them. I think it does. You know, it's it very, plays into them. Yeah, it's very, it's very concentrated on on the drug, the suffering, problem, yeah, the suffering and the stuff. You know, uh, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, but the thing is, a uh, Yeah, like I just would like for everybody to know that you know, like because this is a problem when you talk. This is a, this is a, the, one of the problems when you talk about somebody like Stravinsky. Nobody like talks about him as somebody who had a drinking problem, <laughs> and that's not even the first thing that they mention. You know, so right. so the, that's a problem. Like, and I think. You know, like a Charlie Parker is somebody whose work in the lineage of music that he participated in is of that caliber or higher, you know? Oh, yeah. Stravinsky would have agreed with you. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, like every time somebody that's like not a deeply respectful jazz music, musician you know musician or a musician that has been deeply influenced by him you know the first thing that they mention is that he had a heroin problem and i i feel like i don't i haven't seen the miles davis movie but like i think like the movie also kind of like just overemphasizes those things and yeah it's not really about the music it's, it's about using the suffering that these people had to to kind of like uh, to kind of like create like a, a marketable product, you know, which is, is a, is a problem. <laughs> right. <know? laughs> well, and here's the thing. And like, it wasn't even necessary for Whiplash's success. because at the end of the day, Whiplash is not really a mu mu music movie. It's like a sports movie or a, or a war movie. You know, it has more in common with full metal jacket. For than sure. It, than it does with any like, you know, yeah. the last waltz. Like it has, sure. it, it's more of like, uh, you know, a, yeah, and you a, know, a, like, yeah, sorry. No, I'm just saying like it, uh, you know, you could have put these characters into any sort of profession or any sort of field of study yeah. or any scenario and told the same story without diminishing Charlie Parker, without diminishing what yeah. people's perception of jazz or, or music or even education, like in general. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Or also like you could you, you could have just kept kept it as this guy's 
is super into body rich and that's it yeah. you know which is maybe problematic still but at least you know you skew the the, the other problem entirely yeah know? not not as harmful yeah and yeah. the thing is like I, i was talking with brit about this uh, yesterday uh, you know like for whoever watches the movie body rich like they don't really talk about him that much but for the what they get out of the movie is that body rich was one of the greatest drummers and charlie parker again is a great great musician that did drugs <laughs> right you know yeah so yeah i mean that that's that's those are the things you know i have a totally just a sidebar and uh, the more that uh, we we talked about the more i wanted to know get your specific take on something what do you what do you make of birdman oh his name is uh antonio, uh, sanchez. antonio sanchez yeah so uh, yeah I mean, i mean antonio that's that's a good example of of a movie that like you know it's not only interesting movie But also like the um, the idea for the score is is very interesting too, you know. Um, whether it works or not is debatable. But I I will say this: Antonio is a consummate musician, you know. Yeah. He can play. Uh, I actually know him, you know, and, and played with him just a couple of times, you know, and. Uh, And he's somebody who is fluent in all styles of music. So he can play jazz extremely well. And he can play rock and funk. And, and you know, like he's, he's, he just, he's just somebody who's like really dedicated, professional, you know, musician, you know, so like, and that's an example of somebody like you should see videos of him. And I think he actually does, uh, a comment on Whiplash uh, in terms of the, uh, like they, they did like a YouTube video with him checking out drumming in different, in oh, yeah. different movies and Whiplash was one of them. Yep. And he, said the he said the exact same thing about like this two because I think they play him the, the scene where andrew just bleeds all over the drum set oh yeah and it's just like close up on his face veins popping out just tense and you know all. yeah yeah and antonio is just like so an, an example of somebody that when he sits at the drum set he's like he has like perfect posture you know uh, he's somebody that's really fit too you know right so he's really fit he has perfect posture and uh, and he's extremely relaxed you know and he moves around the kit in a really kind of like seamless fashion. And when he needs to play fast, he doesn't look any different than when he's playing slow. He's just like, everything is in his wrist. Yep, so, yep, yep. and I think he did, a, I mean, like, again, you can debate whether the score uh, works for them, for Birdman or not, but I think uh, he, he did a, a terrific job on that. Yeah. Well, I, I will say that Inyaritu did a mesmerizing job of approximating what it feels like to take part in the production of live theater as a director, yeah. as an actor, as a playwright, uh, yeah. as an audience member. I would 
assume as a layman that he took similar care into kind of incorporating jazz into the film, but I, I yeah. obviously can't speak to that. I'm sure you could go on at length. Man, maybe we should have you on I to talk have, about Birdman. <laughs> Man, I mean, like, I would love to. I, I have to rewatch it again, but I remember liking it. I mean, like, I I like that movie for sure. Um, yeah, there's one, there's a, there's one that I that I saw that I didn't like as much, but uh, for him, I, I like him. You know, um, yeah. yeah, Chazelle as a filmmaker. Uh, like i've 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 never jived i i think i told you that i i the stuff that is not coming together for me uh, i have another friend who you might want to talk to uh, his name is dan donford and he's also he's a trombonist and he's into movies way into movies too and he he watches a ton of movies way more than me actually uh, and he actually loves whiplash you know <laughs> and, okay and uh, and he lo he loves uh, Chazelle's movies at large you know uh, for me the the main thing that I that I have against it is that it, it all reads more like style over substance you know like uh, it's a lot of bells and whistles you know Babylon especially now because now Babylon he's getting to like a point where he's like he can really pour some money on the production yeah. of these things you know so so he's doing all these crazy set pieces and and all this stuff and it and and it looks great and there's all this shit going on and all this stuff but like the storytelling you know eh there's it's not very advanced or 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 you know or profound you know right i i like i like when when filmmakers can 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 just like tell you a story like I, sometimes i like to see the films from people like for example like kelly reichardt the that um that are just like some people who never had budgets you know and their movies are really slow but it's like be you see like oh shit like sh she she's just a master uh, and and then like you you like the movie stream out of they probably in fact in partly because they don't have the budget for it you know like they don't have it it's not doesn't have any fat it's just like she, she's just taking advantage of every possible thing to tell you the story you know and what what and what she's trying to convey is profound you know and like and somebody for example that i think is a master storyteller that does have budget films is paul thomas anderson i think mm -hmm. i'm think i'm 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 probably a cliche in like yet another guy who loves pta <laughs> but it's good it's good reason for that but you know like you know like the master or 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 there will be blood or all those i love all those films yeah but, uh, yeah Th there, there there will be blood is probably my favorite yeah um like my favorite combination <laughs> of grand grandiosity in the filmmaking and and the performances and everything yeah. else but but also uh 
kind of a microscopic view at really gigantic issues and just really yeah. great character development. And uh, for sure, uh, like all, like every piece of there will be blood, both, both the grandiose and the very small working yeah. concert with each other to maximum effect. And that's probably true with the master as well. And phantom thread. Yeah. I mean, and what I think is interesting is that he doesn't resort to any outlandish devices in the storytelling. He's just, telling the story yeah you know yep so uh so th that's really interesting to me you know yeah so, so so like that's that's what i feel like like it, it seems like chasselle has a lot of chops in the technical aspect of things because like we plash actually what i say what i'll say uh, it looks great you know um <laughs> I mean, like, I, I, it's not my favorite style of cinematography, you know, um, but but it it looks it looks good, you know, like it, it it looks. I mean, the thing is, like, because he's not a very profound storyteller, the visual storytelling is not profound, <laughs> you know. Well, in the, but, I mean, in the, the, but the movie has a professional cinematography, you know. <laughs> oh, absolutely! Yeah. I mean, even though I think now, ten years later. Uh, you could probably, you could probably make something look as good as Whiplash on a very like on no budget at all with just items that people have available to them in their pockets. Uh, here's the thing that I actually would even push back on on, on the style of Whiplash yeah. and the filmmaking acumen is I do think there's a pretty obvious incongruence between the style and whatever substance he was putting forward. And what I mean is, you've got this very, very naturalistic style where it's on digital video. It's on, you know, the lighting is either natural or, or, or naturalistic. It appears to be natural. You've got very lived in performances, very, like very subtle kind of facial performances, even for Miles Teller. You've got all of this editing that suggests realism. You've got all these inserts of very specific things, you know, very specific uh, mise en scene. You've got very just all, all the specificity and all of this, these incredible lengths for natural for for realism in the in the filmmaking itself. But the actual scenarios are so implausible. The characters are so two dimensional. It, it, it's it's almost like that the the substance harms the style. Even it brings down the style. Um, sure. And the worst example I can think of of that is how during the the rehearsal scenes it's all very shot like street level. It's all a lot of handheld, right? A lot of yeah. just like pushing, like just into a face, but it's still handheld. It's still a little shaky. Yeah. Um, the camera, the camera is, is, is a participant in the action. Right. And that, that makes sense, right? It's very intense, like rehearsal. Then you've got like the competition scenes where it's all very static. A lot of just, here's just the camera on a tripod observing the competition. Here's the camera up uh, on a crane, just observing the competition. And then you've got the ending, which, according to Chazelle, is supposed to be ambiguous or maybe even suggest that Andrew is going to go down the wrong path from here. And mm -hmm. that's when he directs it like a like a music video. That's where all the movement happens. That's where the camera gets musical. That's where you've got all of these all of these whip pans that are just like, you know, like a flashy music video. And and, and, and according to him, that is what's supposed to denote ambiguity. When like you've 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 made yeah. it very obvious in the filmmaking that you're using like this subconscious language of triumph 
And well, like, it's just like there's not that's the thing. I guess that's one of the that's the thing that like I was saying earlier that, that for me there's no not nuance in the filmmaking, you know. Or or if there is, it, it just it, it's the opposite of what it should be. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah. Like I, I I think we're in agreement there. Like, uh, but you know, like people. I mean, there, 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 there must be something going for him because the some the people really love his movies, you know. And they love this one in particular. They love this one, and and I, I and I know people who love La La Land. Oh man, I know very, very knowledgeable, very yeah. accomplished people who love La La Land, like people yeah, who, for sure, people in I mean, the so movie like, industry that love La La Land. So maybe if he's something, if there's something that's like that you could say good for him, that like maybe he, he, he knows how to connect, you know, somehow, you know, like even if he doesn't connect with with everybody, like people like us, you know, they're looking for something, but like uh, there's something to be said for that, you know, because you know, like that's also very important you know like that then and i and i think about that often in in terms of music you know because uh, in my own music i i i, I am pretty french <laughs> you know in what i do and uh, and I, and i think like okay like how how is this thing that's like uh, that's very left of center for most people can connect with someone, you know, yeah. uh, well, what dimension of other things needs to be there, you know, for it to connect more without me being pandering. And I think, you know, like maybe he, somebody like him has that, you know, like you could say that he has that dialed in, you know, the, the ability to reach a, a broader swath of people and kind of yeah. bring them in and get them to relate to a more niche subject, even if it's at yeah. the expense of that niche subject. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like so. So that's what I was saying. That maybe Whiplash could be a good movie if the music was insanely great. You know. Right. Because then you would have that dimension too. So that like if if you had if you had the movie and it would be exactly the same and he has that the that visual style that you talked about and the, and he has these characters that are interacting in these ways with with each other and it has that very kind of like you know like over the top performance by JK Simmons you know uh, and then add a layer of depth by the music being so super great you know i i don't know if we would put it in the in the same ballpark as some of the great great movies that we consider great great movies you know but but it would it would like bring it a few notches up maybe you know yeah 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 all right well <laughs> juan thank you so much for your no time. man yeah thanks thanks for having me <laughs> no this is so fun it's fun, um, fun would, to uh, talk about this